everybody, and welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions, Fan Bites' premiere and only RPG podcast, but that's what Natalie wrote in the show notes that one time, and so it's how I lead in the show every single week. <laughs> speaking of which, I'm Steven Strum, managing editor of fanbite.com, and speaking of Natalie, she is once again joining me on this episode of 99 Potions. Hi. Even though, even if we had another RPG podcast, this would be the premiere RPG podcast. I think I agree with that. Yeah, it, it would be better. I think this one that has us on it would be better than any other RPG podcast that would not have us on it. I'm, I'm going to make that statement right now. Absolutely. Especially because we have one John Warren, head of large. <laughs> Had it large. Wow. I, I love so many things about this. I, I love that Natalie just took it upon herself to introduce me instead of Steven. Like the, most fucking, the most fucking arrogant thing I've ever seen anyone do on this show. Um, yeah, Natalie, how's it going? Thanks for introducing me. Uh, thank you for calling me arrogant. I love that. <laughs> well, well, it's only a fraction of what you've called me on the Slack every day since you and I met. So it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, glad, glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, thanks uh, for being here, John, who I definitely um, would have introduced just as well uh, <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> also joining us this week is one uh, Jordan Mallory uh, in the producer's chair who says great hostile energy to start off with loving it. Uh, somebody who does not give off hostile hostile energy at all or any degree of arrogance, I wouldn't say, is one Cat Bailey. Oh, I don't know. I've decided that I am your eternal rival. Oh, shit. I too host an rpg podcast yes it's you a, do. it's a very good one do you want to tell us about acts of the blood god for a brief moment before we get into today's show yeah sure hi i'm kat and i host acts of the blood god it used to be part of us gamer but now it's an independent podcast we record every single monday and we recently launched a patreon and we're doing all kinds of cool things one thing that we're doing this month is we're doing a March Madness bracket where we Whoa. pit 64 Ooh. RPGs against one another from East and West, retro and modern. Uh, we really canvas a lot and we're having voting over on our Twitter feed and our Discord is like arguing, already arguing Chrono Trigger versus Final Fantasy VI. It's the oh foregone conclusion <laughs> for the East retro semifinals or are they? Could an underdog spring an upset? We will find out. Uh, and the link to that for people who uh, are curious is patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, I believe. Is that yes, right? that's it. Thank you very much. Yeah. No problem. Y'all are doing a really cool job. Y'all are like super active with the community and stuff. It's really awesome to see. So I'm glad it's. Oh, uh, glad thank it's you very so much. Well. We just love RPGs and we're really glad to be connecting with another R other RPG podcast and we will destroy you. But we love you. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I, I Not will, hostile energy. I will say one of your. Uh, yeah, just, we're going to continue the hostile energy throughout this episode. It's going to be really good. Um, I will say, uh, Kat, you and I also agree that uh, Xeno Gears is better than Earthbound. Um, so Ooh. that's that's good. Oh, I, we just we really want to crucify Ness. Or Ness, I think that would be a great call. <laughs> yeah, yeah hundred <laughs> percent. Also, I do want to say you are much more graceful about saying your history with us gamer because we just had mike williams on a couple of weeks ago and he would joke about us gamer dying and oh, yoshida no. compensating him in return <laughs> so oh. you are a lot more gracious about it r.i.p uh, well it was my baby yeah yeah i, I miss it, it was, deeply i, I yeah. also it was miss an it extremely deeply. good site yeah 
<sighs> but uh, we're not here to talk about the past. We are here to look at the present, the present of oh. JRPGs, which includes a new game from uh, one Square Enix, a classic developer who has just uh, taken a stab, took a stab. That's not a phrase. Taken a stab at the uh, sort of classic RPG format in a lot of different ways with one Bravely Default 2, the <laughs> third game in the Bravely Default <laughs> franchise. <laughs> The JRPG, is, it shouldn't have numbering <laughs> conventions that make sense. Yeah, that's very true. You like that? Hey, if they're going for a sort of classic vibe, they definitely nailed it on they that front. It. Um, which has nothing to do with the uh, well, maybe not nothing to do, but it um, is not a direct continuation of uh, the Bravely Default One, which was Bravely Default or Bravely Second. Uh, this one is a, a sort of new story set in this uh, this world, uh, but takes a lot of the same ideas in terms of the combat and such, which is the Brave and the Default system. Uh, those being the ability to basically bank and um, blow a bunch of different turns all at once if you want to defaulting being basically banking future turns by defending uh and braving bra being brave i don't know what the verb form of this is uh allowing you to basically take a bunch of turns on one turn and then at the cost of uh future turns which is kind of an interesting combat system i think we've seen a little bit of it used not just in the bravely default series but also in octopath traveler did something very similar um but bravely default uh to kind of returning to its roots in a lot of ways i would say um, and Kat, you have been playing a whole lot of this by the sound of it, and I think uh, having a very good time with it. Yeah, I really wasn't expecting to have such a good time with Bravely Default 2. So I got a code and I was like, well, I will install this and talk a little bit about it on the podcast. And to my great surprise, I found myself really starting to dig it, like getting into the vibe. I actually kind of like the art style, but what I really like the most is the battle system because... <clears throat> The boss battles are really intense right from the get-go, and I really like that they kind of ask you to have an intimate knowledge of the battle system and kind of try to solve each different encounter. If you try to just rush through, you're going to die. But if you experiment a lot with your different class compositions, have kind of an understanding of the different skills and everything, then you will have some success. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for a beginner in the JRPG space, but that's okay, because I like a good RPG sometimes to really push me a little bit and to be like, no, I'm going to kick you in the teeth, and you're going to like it, and that's how it's going to go. Just like uh, at the end of chapter one, you're fighting a berserker who just comes in, and he will just walk your his way through your party and be like, <laughs> okay, you better understand tanking. Get to it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the game does have a sort of a job system that allows you to uh, alleviate a lot of that stuff and manipulate it a lot through the use of these items called asterisks, um, which is always a fun word to try and say out loud very quickly. Um, and those allow you to basically put characters into different jobs in the classic like square soft square Enix style where, you know, you'll have your um, white mage, black mage, monk, that sort of thing that you can switch your different characters between. Free, and, like, freelancer, you have to freelancer. fire quarterly taxes and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's um really get tough. you make them wait two weeks for their for their edits and then um, uh -huh. tell them that they needed to totally rewrite. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we don't. Then their payments get lost in the mail <laughs> right, for six yeah. months. <laughs> yeah, if they win a they win a battle, they get paid net ninety maybe. <laughs> 
Um, anyway. Uh, um, but yeah, um, and it does, like, it has a lot of uh, variation there in the job system. But like you were just saying, uh, Kat, like tanking and stuff. Like this is a single player RPG, but it has like aggro in the style of um, MMOs like or in Final Fantasy 14, it's called Imnity, where you will have like a, a character who can play like a tank class and then draw fire off of your friends because uh, one thing that uh, this game, the one thing that sticks out to me about this game is it reminds me a lot of another game we've talked about on 99 Potions, which is Etrian Odyssey in that mm. way. Um, and it doesn't have the thing that Etrian Odyssey has where you can like make a lot of early game decisions or, or pre-fight decisions about like character placement on the battlefield or anything. You can't people put people in a back row or a front row. It's just everybody's up front. So you need to know all of your abilities like really, really yeah. intimately. Yeah. John, it sounded like you also played a little bit of this. Yeah, I've I've played about four hours of it. Um, so not like super super in depth. I also I also never played Bravely Default or uh, Bravely Second in Lair, which is right. the, the direct <laughs> sequel to the first game. Um, I didn't I didn't play those. They I I think I own both of them, but they're just collecting dust in my DS closet or something. Um, and. Uh, I I like the battle system in this game. I think it's the one thing I would say that could probably keep me coming back to it. I have to say I've played about four, four and a half hours of this game and kind of have decided probably not to continue with it. But I'm still trying to figure out if like getting past the first like little bit. Uh, will actually kind of open things up and make things more interesting with like a lot of the jobs and stuff like that. Or if this is kind of, this is kind of it, but like uh, I, I like, I like the battle system. I like um, being able to bank or like pre spend your, your attacks. Like you can pre spend and against like kind of lower level enemies. Maybe that sometimes makes sense. Cause you can just kind of run roughshod. But if you bank, if you don't, if you do that, if you pre spend, um, basically what that means is that enemies are going to get these like, t- you know, turns and turns and c- turns against you until you can get back to kind of a, a, a balance of having some attacks stored up. So like it, it is a, a bit of a more cerebral way to tackle a very basic, what is otherwise a very basic turn-based system. Um, I think cat, you're exactly right. Like, I think it does expect you to kind of understand the the give and take of the system in a way that um, I kind of find refreshing. I've kind of felt like a lot of JRPGs over the past five years have been maybe a little bit too easy, have skewed a little bit too handholdy. And I do like that aspect of it, but there, there are a lot of things about this game that I don't really like, which, which we can, which we can get into, but I do like the, uh, the battle system so far for sure. Cool. It's definitely um, nice compared to sort of the more, action-oriented direction Square Enix's biggest JRPG franchise is taking. Obviously, Final Fantasy is just taking a more action, you know, uh, focused direction with Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 15. Um, but this seems like a really good return to the classics. Like, classic JRPG that, if you've played a lot of RPGs, you might like this, but... I also know Steven and John have played a lot of our JRPGs and yeah, might not I, really be into this too much. I mean, I, th- I think like, I th- I think you're right. It does kind of go back to a more basic style. It, it rem- reminds me a bit of Final Fantasy X in the sense that like, hmm. it is just very, very straight up turn-based. The only difference, you do have an indication of like when uh, turns are going to 
occur based on the little like meter that shows up under each character. But you don't have that like grid at the top. It kind of shows you kind of the turn order and how the how those turns kind of change. But you do get a lot of information about like you know, you can kind of plan strategically. Okay, if I uh, if I default, if I bank this thing, you know, two enemies are going to get a, a shot at the rest of my party. And then one isn't going to before another party member has an opportunity to attack. You can just kind of make some uh, quick decisions based on you know, the information you get, which like I do, I do really like that kind of turn uh, turn-based battle system of uh, really being able to kind of see the cause and effect um, as it plays out. And I, I do like that. I do miss that about a few different RPGs and like, yeah, like square has really leaned historically on kind of active time battle systems since, uh, like the SNES days. Uh, then they kind of went back to a super turn-based system with 10 and kind of got away from that, um, for a while, but bravely default, um, leans all the way into that, which, uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Yeah. The line that I'm drawing in my head is with, I am Setsuna which is a game that I did not like because it just tried to be Chrono Trigger, but without any of the charm. Uh And uh, if you're going to try to ape Chrono Trigger, you better do it well. Whereas Bravely Default, it very obviously just lifts the kind of dynamics of Final Fantasy V with a bunch of quality of life improvements, including uh, battle speed and that kind of thing. I I really like the ability to send a little ship out when you put your Switch to sleep and then gather lots of items while it's off voyaging. Then you log in, you're like, oh, look at all this new stuff that I got. Or when I'm playing as a freelancer and you're having the forage ability, which is very OP because it gives you lots of different items and that (laughs) kind of thing. but also, I am a big fan of just the overall look of this game. Like, you could take or leave the little Muppet characters. Like, right. I know plenty of people find them kind of weird and off-putting, but mm-hmm. it's a distinct style that I find a lot better than just the very bland 2.5D look of I Am Setsuna. And then the kind of diorama-looking towns are just gorgeous, and it brings to mind uh, kind of the gold standard of classic JRPG uh, towns, which is Octopath Traveler, and just how you can pull back the camera and you're looking at this glorious vista. It's like a lovely map painting. And so many JRPG towns these days are really generic. But Bravely Default 2, not Bravely Second, I'm going to have a hard time remembering this. Uh, the Castle Town time. and the Desert Town, like they aren't just generic castle and desert town. Like they have a wonderful kind of fairy tale look to it that I really like. They look like storybook uh, mm. pages. They're super yeah. pretty, but I, I totally get. I've seen a lot of people talk about how the discrepancy between them and the sprites is quite jarring, especially or the character since, models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since it doesn't really, it sort of fit well with the DS, but in terms of the Switch's graphical updates, I think a lot of people are finding them a bit jarring. But the backgrounds are so pretty. Yeah. Uh, first off, I just want to say, Kat, I'm so glad that someone else out there suffered through I Am Setsuna, uh, at least <laughs> enough to make this exact same comparison, because that is definitely the first thing that jumped to mind for me um, in comparison to this game. It just made me immediately think of all those Tokyo RPG Factory games that um, Square has been doing lately as kind of their like, oh, well... It, well, you, uh, uh, mm, well, all the old Final Fantasy, I know, we know you old Final Fantasy fans don't really like the new direction we're taking with these new games, but we'll, I don't know, we'll throw 20 bucks over to these guys real quick and let them put something out <laughs> that looks like the things that you remember, um, and then it's not very good. I, I guess, I, I didn't think Alien Setsuna is good, very good, but um, 
I don't know how you specifically felt, but um, I didn't like it. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Just making sure I'm not going to be completely I, um, at odds with you opinion wise on every game. <laughs> I find with Square Enix, they are so kind of up and down, uh, like inconsistent is the word I'm looking for. Right. With their kind of retro tribute offerings. I thought that their Secret of Mana remake was really bad, really yeah. ugly. Yeah, really. Did ugly. absolutely nothing to improve the original game. It's I thought their Second Dead Setsu 3 game, I can never remember the Trials of Mana. Is that it? Yes. Um, yeah. Trials the, of Mana. The last name looked pretty good like it was ultimately a, a much better update but also it was an action rpg i'm kind of like eh, and very and the graphical update really highlighted how kitty it was in a lot of ways and so just over and over again like chrono trigger the those horrible final fantasy ios ports oh my god <laughs> so to, so i really really went into bravely second or bravely default two, <laughs> <laughs> thinking i am not gonna like this game this game, I'm going to bounce off this game so hard. I'm going to get tired of it really fast. And it really held my attention. I think the graphics are just interesting enough to look at and to make the battle system really sing. And so I'm like, okay, mm. I like this game. I'm going to finish this game. Awesome. All right. Uh, yeah, I am. I think uh, I, I next to you put the most time into this game so far of the people on this call. And um, I am. I. I. Overall, really not enjoying it all that much. I definitely agree with basically everything that has been said. I mean, you're absolutely right about the like storybook backgrounds. Like the the environments in this game look incredible. Like it Tell is the one thing. Tell us how you really feel, this- Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> just go and say it it's fine <laughs> hey I've got uh, an entire page of Google Docs notes here about all the uh, bad shit I'm going to say about this game so I just wanted to you I've know. never by the way just to pull back the curtain I've never seen Steven take as many notes on one of our shows <laughs> yeah like- I mean, this is like a fucking Wikipedia page full of problems with this game usually uh, we make fun of me putting in a bunch <laughs> of notes but when I looked at the doc I was like wait I didn't write anything yesterday and it's just steven putting all the things they don't like about this game so tell us how you really feel steven come on okay yeah, well all right. i walked in going oh and we're gonna have a nice casual conversation about bravely default too <laughs> oh it's gonna be one of those episodes yeah. okay. we, we actually we debated to, uh, revealing this live to you and i i wanted to just do it live and just you know get get a raw reaction but Natalie, her pure heart said that was just not a very fair thing to do. So, <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. I got you. Uh, okay. So but also, Stephen, tell us. Tell us. I really fucking hate this game so Sorry. Oh my god. All right, you open the doors. Steven. Let's go. Let's 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 go over it. Why why do you hate this game so much? Lay it on us. Um, okay, so I I love a lot of I it's a game that I want to to like a lot, like uh because mm-hmm. it does have a lot of things in it that I actually really, really like out of uh JRPGs. It has like I love job systems, I love uh teasing out weaknesses and resistances on enemies, and yeah. I love you know like setting up my my team and my squad in various ways ahead of a fight and stuff like that. It's why I love Etrian Odyssey so much, and um it's some of my favorite parts of the Shin Megami Tensei games. Uh, especially with the like press turns and you know all out attacks and like weakness uh, stuff in that game. The problem is that I love those games so much that every moment of this game is such a is such sandpaper to my brain because 
I have seen the um, the the smoothness and the quality of life that those games have built over like generations of like you know from Shin, Shin Megami Tensei all the way back in you know in the day to um, you know Strange Journey at Redux and all those different things and like even Persona Five and the different ways that they do those things and every time this game fails to be as good in very specific ways as those games at those very specific things that it's trying to do. Um, I just can't get over that hump in in various ways. Like the the one of the big examples for me, uh, and it's it's going to sound like such a nitpick. And a lot of my problems with the game are nitpicks. It's just there are so many of them to put together that like just moving through it is really tough. Um, like when you uh, attack an enemy in this game, if they are weak to it, it gets registered on the enemy. If anybody who's played Persona, the last three Persona games right. will recognize this. Um, so if like they're weak to fire, it'll mention, hey, they're weak to fire. If they're weak to axes, it'll mention, hey, they're weak to axes. But for whatever reason, it doesn't track <clears throat> neutral affinities. So if, if they're not weak to it, but also not resistant to it, it doesn't get registered. So you don't know if like, oh, three hours ago, I fought this enemy and I stabbed it with a dagger. Are they resistant to it? Are they are they not? I can't remember. Um, and then it doesn't track resistances at all either, which is the the really jarring thing to me. So if an enemy like takes half damage from ice or something like that, it just will never tell you that. Um, and you just have to like bank that in your memory. Also, at a glance, you know, in this is something that Persona 5 is so very good at um, when you target an enemy and it's just like, oh, right. Here's a, just a big list right above their head telling me exactly what this enemy is weak to or strong against. In this game, it never does that. It like you need to to pull up all their weaknesses and resistances. You need to press a separate button, wait for a second menu to pop up that pulls up every enemy on the board all at once. Hunt through that list of enemies, uh, figure out, OK, yep, this one is weak to lightning. Close it out and then go back to what you were doing and then uh, hit them from there. And it's like, again, a fairly nitpicky thing. But like you add that together with a bunch of the other picks I have and it's just and it's a thing that just seems at least to me you know not having beaten the game yet like something that doesn't get better over time and maybe Kat you can tell me if maybe they improve on some of that quality of life stuff no but okay. <laughs> and I, think that, I think these are all valid points uh, and I definitely noticed it because there have been times when I've for example examined a boss be like oh what are their weaknesses anyway it might be helpful to know this thing and right. then I would see some logos and go Okay, these icons tell me, uh, give me a basic idea of what I should be looking for. And then I completely forget, mm -hmm, which yeah. is kind of a problem. Because <laughs> I have a short memory. I have a memory of a goldfish sometimes. And that's a problem <laughs> when I'm playing an RPG like this. Uh, so yeah, no, like those are totally valid complaints. I think that certainly they could have improved a lot. I know that during the beta, so they were treating the demos as basically betas. And they were taking oh. a ton of user feedback to improve the overall experience, but apparently this is something that slipped through the cracks. But by and large, though, I, I do find the battle system to actually be really tight. The actual random encounters don't last too long. Like, you can get through them relatively quickly, especially if your party's at a good enough level. The boss fights are extremely intense and feel action-packed despite being turn-based Right. So, and I think the balance of story and gameplay and the pacing works pretty well for me because it, so many games, like, I'd say I was playing Dragon Quest XI. Love mm -hmm. that game. Great game. Oh, yeah. But it's it. so meandering in its pace. Mm -hmm. Whereas Bravely Default 2, I was almost taken aback by how fast <laughs> I got on the road. I, I thought for a second, I was like, is there is there a catch here? Like, wow, this, this game's kind of cooking. I, I like it. I appreciate it. I want this more in my JRPGs. 
Yeah, and there is actually, I do kind of agree with that part too. Like, uh, especially after you get out of the prologue, kind of the first main town area, um, there is something like magnetic about it. There's something like sticky where it's just like, wow, mm-hmm. it always feels like it is moving forward when you're not doing the side quests, which fucking suck. Um, there, <laughs> there is always a really good momentum. <laughs> just slipping that the in there, story. Steven. Just I disagree. That in there. The side quests really? do not suck. You, you don't think so? For example, Let's- I did a whole side quest involving a card game. Where I went ah. into a casino, and I learned how to play the card game, and then at the end, I got an optional boss fight, and it ruled. So I have heard very good things about this card game. Yes, so just by virtue of this optional card game existing, and having an optional boss fight where I can get a totally optional and missable job class, it makes me very happy, and makes me think that, in fact, these side quests are good. That's awesome. Like that, I haven't gotten to that part. That does sound cool as hell. Um, mm-hmm. The side content that I'm talking about is like a mission in the first town where a woman is like, hey, my dad is gone. Go find him. And you go find him. And he's like, I'm looking at the ocean. Don't leave me alone. I don't want to go home. And then so I go, you know, after I've walked away from this one woman to go walk over to this old man, I have to go back over to walk to that and talk to that one woman again. And she's like, oh, he says he won't come back. Well, tell him that I'm making his favorite food. And then I walk all the way back to where I just (laughs) came from um, and just returned to uh, again and tell him, hey, she's making food. And he's like, oh, well, hot damn. And gets up and then that's the end of the side quest is i walked in a straight line back and forth three times uh and then mission accomplished one Uh, thing i am curious about since we've focused a lot on gameplay and i've heard the story is ah. fine enough like it's it's solid enough to do its job but i heard a lot of complaints about the first bravely default and the sexism in that game Mm. um so i remember that a lot of people were discussing that there are some generalizations made about women there are some enemies that like reduce women to their gender and there's this character called sage yuliana who is really blatantly gross and uh, makes like really unfair Uh, just disgusting um, sexual comments towards the main female characters and so i'm wondering if that in any way has improved here I'll I'll say it this much. I haven't noticed a lot in that regard. On the other hand, I've also been skipping a lot of the story because I don't care. Interesting. (laughs) Ah, I mean, there's not a lot to (laughs) hang your hat on with this story. I mean, there are some dark elements uh, for sure, especially once you get to the end of chapter one. It gets really Syriana-like, interestingly enough. Um, Huh. I wasn't expecting it to delve into the Middle Eastern water crisis, as it were. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Climate crisis, droughts, and all that. Right. But I, at the same time, I'm kind of going, yeah, like this is basically Saturday morning little Muppet characters who are yeah. running around having adventures, and that's nice that they're talking to one another. But I want to get to the battles, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, Natalie, really, just the, the way this game starts is that you, you fucking emerge from the ocean and you're like, hi, I'm Seth. I'm a little dapper pirate and I came out of the ocean. <laughs> and you wash up on the shore and then two people don't you don't know are like, we have to bring him back to the castle. We don't know why he's here. And then you wake up and you go, I have no idea where the fuck I am. I'm Seth. I'm a pirate. And then just immediately everyone trusts you to run errands for them. And mm-hmm. then um, and then that's about, like, I would say the biggest problem with this game is that it gave me no 
reason to give a shit about it like immediately from a story yeah. perspective because mm-hmm. yes like uh, okay you can sit there and go like well I don't know, 80 to 90% of JRPGs that you probably like pretty much start this way. And I would go, sure, maybe that's why we should try something new because this is a very familiar beginning to a, uh, you know, you want to get a classical vibe of an RPG and a JRPG and I totally get that. But I think this, this maybe, um, uh, keeps a little too close to like unbelievably familiar territory. Uh, for me to like, but there really is care something to be said for cutting to the dang chase. And yeah, so when that, I that's JRPGs, fair. and I put Persona Five and Dragon Quest Eleven mm. in this category, are so up their own ass about their story and their characters <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything. I still need to play like, Dragon yes. Quest Eleven, but Persona Five, yes, it's so far up its ass. This at its uh, at a certain point, I'm get tired of clicking through dialogue, and I just want to play the game. And yeah. I know that this is not for everybody. I love a good story in an RPG, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, when I'm playing Bravely Default 2, it seems to know exactly what it is and what it wants to be, and it's saying, I am Final Fantasy V, the game in which a character on a chocobo just shows up at a meteor strike, finds the entire party that he's traveling with, and is like, all right, let's get going. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Kat, now, can I interest you in a franchise called Etrian Odyssey if you want a game that just cuts to the chase? What's funny is that I've got Etrian Odyssey 5 loaded up on my 3DS, and I've been playing it just recently. It's a really amazing game. Uh, (sighs) Same with uh, Persona uh, Q, which is a bit simpler than Etrian Odyssey 5, but I really appreciate that it... Keeps a lot of the humor and the fun of the Persona series, and the, especially the look, but it cuts to the chase a lot faster than Persona 5. Uh, specifically to circle back to what you uh, like particularly asked about uh, there, Natalie, by the way, I did play a lot of the first Bravely Default before I finally uh, had to give up on it back in the day, and I know exactly what you're talking about, and it was actually one of the things that drove me away from that game, is mm-hmm. like how uh, how it how weird and gross it, get, it could get at various different places, and at mm-hmm. least from what I've played of this one, it's nowhere on that level. It's Good. like, yeah, <laughs> Bravely Default has like a whole extended bit where your weird paper doll characters, like your she's like a Yuna type like traveling priestess type character, and it's like here's this old man who has developed her like sacred robes, her sacred garments that she has to wear for this like event or something like that, and it's just this like weird bikini thing, and it's like this just long se- like segment like joke about how he's a dirty old man who made her sacred robes look all like um like uh, uh pervy and stuff like that, and then sh- how embarrassing and uh, exposed she feels and it sucks it's bad it's um, really bad like he's like like he describes her brass and he's like fine and plumped and and jiggly and it's just like like i get these are quote-unquote comedic tropes and that it's supposed right. to be lighthearted, but so many harmful tropes and jrpgs tend to use this as justification to normalize things that are really creepy and gross like this. So I'm glad to hear that it's nowhere near as bad because while well, I heard that so the- far, allegedly allegedly we don't right know after yet. you pick up after this podcast, it's when it's going to start to get bad. Oh no. Oh, yeah, no. the the thing, if there's one thing that I think is slightly um, off putting about the story uh, so far, it's been the fucking bizarre mishmash of fake accents in, that you might have missed, Cat, if you're skipping some of the dialogue. Oh my god, no. I totally noticed it. When I got to the <laughs> Desert Kingdom, there's this guy who's basically has the evil English accent, the very yeah. English accent, but then the the king of the Desert Kingdom 
has a very deep like how I, how would I even describe the accent? Um, sort of sounds American. Yeah, like it's all over the place. Seriously, your black mage is a Scottish man named Elvis. Yeah, yeah, for for reasons <laughs> very odd. Very he's like Scotty. Like right, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, he, he and then is. like the one of the he's Scottish, and then the first like Team Rocket style like kind of goofball villains that you fight are Australian are and Australian Swedish. and Swedish. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting choice, but it's also just like very it it strange. It like stands out for sure. Yeah, and and Seth, the main character, is just kind of like, oh, I'm Seth. <laughs> hi, I'm, I'm hi, I'm I'm a little chee I'm a little chibi pirate man. I'm What's just up? a little boy. I'm just a little guy. Don't hurt I'm me. I'm a little guy, guy and it's my birthday. And so I'm well, just what's weird around. is that you have these characters who are tiny, adorable little Muppets, but they have deep, resonant, booming voices. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Reminds me a lot about my uh, of my dachshund, who is just a tiny little dog, <laughs> but he just sounds like woof every single time he barks. It's very weird. Oh, my God. And then uh, the, I think the most... Okay, so if we want to talk about things that are actually upsetting about this game's character designs, <laughs> that fucking pigman that you meet outside of the first town. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like, okay, these beautiful, like, diorama-like, um, handcrafted environments. These characters that look, like, kind of chibi and, and slightly odd, but not, like, terrible or whatever. And then you meet this fucking realistically proportioned, like, like photorealistic flesh pig man <laughs> with individual <laughs> hairs that you can count on his head and, like, cataracts in his eyes who is supposed to be this like kind of cute mascot character that looks like a fucking Doctor Who villain he looks like a <laughs> minion of some evil alien warlord in Doctor Who and he's like oh thank you travelers you really helped me the pig man the disgusting big boy this day I love you so much yeah. Yeah. real labyrinth vibes going on there yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a fucking hoggle <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. There there are some things just in the early going that I noticed about this game that I'm like, okay, if the systems are designed this way during exploration for the entire game, I don't know if I can I can stick to it. And again, I think this is maybe nitpicky, but two things. Uh when you leave like the first town, they're like, you could basically cut all the grass like you're in Zelda. And and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm a I'm a pervert who loves that stuff. So I basically <laughs> just like started to cut all the grass. And in the first five uh, slashes, I got a dagger, $200, uh, a potion and a tent. <laughs> and then, and then like what the system does at some point it goes, you've had enough. And like you start and then like, and then it's like every 15 slashes, you get $2 and you're yeah. just like, huh? All right. So I guess like my, I'm immediately going, when does this reset? When does this re system go back to giving me things more frequently? And I, that I'm already having that thought about how this system works is driving me absolutely crazy. The other thing that is absolutely perplexing about this game, which probably has nothing to do with like the overall arc of it, but the day night cycle on the overworld map is the, right. is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. It is, Why? it is daytime for about five real minutes and then it is nighttime for roughly 10 seconds and it is, like, it is like such a bizarre jarring thing that i thought had to do with like where i was on the map like if you're going to trino and final fantasy 9 it turns dark right and like you know i thought oh i must be in a place where it's just night 
And so whatever, but it's like, nope, it's just like click of a fingers. You're, you're back in the daytime. So I don't know, like they're, they're just little things about like the way the systems work during exploration that like already, even though I'm in the very early going, I'm like, what, what is this? Why do these things happen this way? Um, and it's actually really interesting that you mentioned that earlier cat. Cause I think that maybe explains a lot of stuff that this was basically the early demos of this game were treated like a beta. Cause right. I think this game does have, and I think like based on your, what you like about this game, it's like, seems like it's a game with a really, really good core. Uh, like, a, and I actually even agree with that too. Cause again, it has so many things that I love about a lot of modern RPGs. Um, and then it's just like very, like a lot of things just didn't get weird little perplexing things like that just didn't get picked up in play testing. Like the, the strange grass cutting, the, the, the day night cycle, the, um, the hit boxes on enemies in the overworld. It does the persona style thing of like, you can, um, you know, run up on an enemy and slash it to get the like preemptive attack. But the hit boxes seem to be all be identical for every monster and not based on the model of the character. So if you come up to a goblin, it's, you know, it makes sense. You you go up and you slash it. If you come up to a bird, I'll get like, okay, well, I'm about a foot and a half away from this bird. I should get a little bit closer so that I can slash. Oh, I've activated combat. My character is not touching this bird at all. My character is like a foot and a half away from this bird. But <laughs> combat has initiated uh, because the hitbox is so much bigger than the character model. And I think that is my issue with, I, I think that's actually like an interesting like way of, of uh, presenting my issues with bravely to vault two is it's like, again, really, really good core that just feels like it is a little undercooked in a lot of the just moment to moment stuff that adds up in. And I think depending on, you know, what you're looking for out of the, out of uh, an RPG, out of any RPG, it's like, how much does that matter to you? How much does this bother you? How much does that bother you? You know, I think it's really important that they get the core right. And yeah. they right. probably have very few resources. It's a small team. Right. So they were like, okay, what's the one thing we absolutely have to get right. We got to get the combat and the grinding, right? And they did. Mm -hmm. And not only did they get it right, it is, incredibly enjoyable to the point where it's all I really care about. I'm not that big on the story. And also all, a lot of the stuff that you've called out, like it's kind of this weird, charming, quirky nonsense, right? Mm. That I'm like going, sure. yeah, whatever. Like I'm mowing grass. <laughs> a lot of people have been going that it's the lawn mowing simulator. And I, I dig that. Or like the weird things with the day night cycle. It's not enough to actually disrupt my enjoyment of the game. It's just sure. like little quirky weird things that I note en route right. to the extremely excellent core of the battle system. And, right. and I th and I think like you're right. If those things are basically just distracting to me, I should just turn those little parts of my brain off and not worry right. about it. What I'm doing is I'm starting to do the calculus of like, Oh, because this night cycle is so short, does that mean that during this small window, there are going to be enemies on the world map that I've got to worry about more or something like that? And like, I'm like, oh, I think this is just a mistake, basically. It's not like, like, it's like not like, yeah, it's just like, a yeah, it's just an oversight and it's not like anything I need to worry about. But I think like the past 10 years of RPGs have basically like tuned me into like, Oh, I should really like, if I mow a lot of the grass, am I, if I don't mow the grass, am I going to miss out on like unique items, right. like things that I'm like starting to think about. And then like, I probably ought to just turn that stuff off and not really worry about it all that much. Um, but one of the things that I, I, you, you mentioned in your notes, Stephen, that I definitely want to bring up is, is just like, UI stuff that like if this was a bigger game like The Witcher 3 or something remember when The Witcher 3 did all those like quality of life improvements like yeah. Yeah. three months later which I thought was like an amazing update 
if this was a bigger game, this would be a really prime candidate for this because like you have weight in this game. You know, you have like equipable weight where if you're over encumbered, your stats really suffer. Um, when you add to your weight, it the you the UI suggests to you that adding to your weight is good until it's not. Right. Um, which is kind of strange. And the other thing is that uh, when you do equip something that over encumbers you, it doesn't make a distinction between if that piece of equipment is worse or if the over encumbrance is what is uh, depleting your stats, which right. like those are two things I noticed immediately and immediately kind of caused friction with um, my kind of like, you know, idea of how I should equip these characters to, to the point where I just started hitting the button that says like, just put the stuff on that you think is good. Oh, like, sure. <laughs> I just started doing the auto thing, which I don't do. Like they put that in Final Fantasy nine. That's one of the earliest Square Enix games. I can remember them putting that in. And I remember using it for a little while. And then there was a reason why I stopped doing it because there are reasons to uh, bump up other stats or like, you know, have different abilities equipped and things like that. But yeah, the, you the min max luck or whatever, sure. you know, sometimes. But the, but the friction of the UI kind of like confusing me about which pieces do what um, has already caused a bit of uh, friction for me uh, with this game. So just stuff that like they could change easily, but will they? Probably if they have not. the budget, if they right. have like yeah. Square Enix's backing on. Yeah, these, which, which they probably won't. Unclear. I mean, this yeah. is probably a one and done. They got it out and, um, you know, a lot of people are enjoying it. But yeah, I don't know if they'll I don't know if they'll ha get the support to do stuff like that. Yeah, I seriously doubt it. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, I agree with you when it comes to the actual equipping <laughs> items because it doesn't do a good enough job of giving you feedback on which stats are going to be like it shows you which stats are going to be immediately improved and everything. But when you're buying the actual items, it'll often just say overweight. And you'd be like, oh, great. Right. But yeah. like, how much am I overweight? Like, right. how can I tune this so that it's not as overweight? So I'm having to go into multiple menus. And yeah, that's totally fair. It's like a quality of life issue that could have been improved and would have made the experience a lot more seamless. Yeah. I also wonder too, like this is just occurring to me now and I don't know, I think, guess it just maybe speaks to how ingrained it is in my life that it, well, of course it's like this for everyone. Um, the thing that I just occurred to me was like, oh, I wonder if this game's like development cycle was thrown off by COVID, you know, like we've every we game's development cycle right. was thrown off by COVID. That's absolutely true. But I just mean, I guess how bad, how badly we've definitely seen like how badly it's been affected, like, like affected certain companies. We've talked about um, Bungie um, has been very upfront there about like, yeah, Destiny was not designed to be, um, you know, developed on a work from home schedule. Um, Nintendo, I think like there's been a lot of rumors about how um, they are doing internally and stuff in this, in a similar way. And I've never gotten a great sense of how it is for Square Enix over there, especially for a smaller team within Square Enix. So that's, right. I'm sure that played a major factor. Like you said, Kat, it, how could it not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but also at the same time, like, um, the, another thing that like what you've said about this game is like kind of illuminated for me cat too, is like, they don't make a lot of, like, there are a lot of throwback RPGs, like Dragon Quest 11 is in, in that vein, you know, a lot of different games go for stuff like this. I don't know that a lot of them go for the specific callbacks that um, Bravely Default 2 does, and that's kind of like admiral, uh, admirable. Dragon Quest Eleven is all callbacks. It's yeah. just one big old tribute to Dragon Quest. And by the way, I love Dragon Quest Eleven. I just want yeah. to communicate that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, totally. I think you said that at the top, too. So, yeah, like, yeah. 
but um and i i do too just to, just also to be clear for people out there that game's great and everybody should go play it we haven't done an episode on it but maybe we, yeah, will we should yeah we should but um what's that I need to play it so bad. I'm waiting for school it? to stop. Yes, I do. <laughs> Does school get in the way? <laughs> I begged like someone to buy it for me for my birthday. So I got it in December and I'm still waiting to play it. But it's not the type of game you play while you're trying to juggle school and a part-time it's a, it's job. A, it's, <laughs> it's a big, beefy game. It's, it's a so big, 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 big game. Jordan mentions there might be a Uso's game. It is fan by Bucks to buy her a Dragon Quest Eleven copy. Oh, I, yeah, I, Natalie, I didn't know you wanted it. We could. Oh, I have it, though. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you, and it's on that. Game Pass. It is yeah, on Game Pass. Yeah, it's also on Game true. Pass, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you, uh, Natalie, you can get around to that right around uh, when you get to around to the copy of uh, Monster Hunter World I bought for you uh, six <laughs> months ago. <so>. Oh, my <laughs> God. Monster Hunter World so good. You all oh have to God. play Monster Hunter Rise. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that is when... my most anticipated game. And listeners of this show will know this, but Kat, that is my most anticipated game of the year. I fucking love Monster Hunter. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Let's get a group going. Yes. Oh, my we God. Absolutely do that. I just can't wait to get one of those big dogs. Just yeah, Palamute. Yeah. Um, it's the greatest in- innovation that have been introduced to a video game in 2021. A rideable <laughs> dog creature. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Super, I'm super down. Um, uh, Natalie. Capcom saw that, like, uh, can you pet the dog thing? It was like, well, fuck you. We got you one better over here. <laughs> can you ride, can the, you dog? ride the dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Natalie, what, you know, I'm slapping the, I'm slapping the, the, uh, the hood of this bad boy. What's going to get you into this bravely default too? Nothing really. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Natalie knows what she wants. Uh, I know what point. I want I and I go you. for it. And I've seen a lot of chatter of how like, and everything that I'm listening adds up to this being something really like you don't play it for the story you play it for sort of the right. the relaxation of the grind and the battle system and it's fun to play um but at the same time some people are saying that you need to like people who consistently play jrpgs are i'm hearing them say that you need to grind a lot for this game which is like surprising to me because if you play jrpgs regularly that's something that you're used to so that some people are pointing this out to me just kind of i don't know it starts red flags in in my brain i I feel like the the grinding discourse is interesting because like um I, i do feel like jrpgs generally have gotten a little bit away from that kind of free flowing like hey we're gonna let you kind of figure out how powerful you need to be before you get to the next place instead of just like leaving a pretty um like a pretty linear trail of the right amount of experience that you need to get before you get to the next checkpoint i feel mm-hmm. like more games have done that in the past i don't know decade of like giving you the the exact amount of resources you need to do something rather than some of the older JRPGs of just like, hey, like no rules, just right. If you get to the boss early and get your shit ruined, uh, that's the that's the clue you need to go back and grind where I think that's maybe the distinction that people are making. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but like that's that's the sense I get of just like. Yeah, I don't know if I need to level up my jobs to, I don't know, level four or five before I go tackle this boss or if I need to get to level seven with everyone before I do this. And there, there's a lot of um, not obfuscation, but just like a lack of information about what you need to be at level wise to like do certain things. And I think that's probably where most of the, the conversation is. 
Yeah, yeah. and, and Natalie, account- yeah, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say, Natalie, and I. This is another thing that like listeners of the show probably know at this point, but like you're almost always like a story and characters first type person, right? Yeah. Like over gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. You get along with sure. my co-host, Nadia. Who yeah, Nadia's great. That. We need to have Nadia on. I've been yeah. thinking about <laughs> we that. Do. But I was like, I was like, I love Bravely Default 2. And she's like, oh, maybe I should play it. It's like, I don't think you would like <laughs> Bravely Default 2. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's the true sign of friendship friends. is that you know what your friends aren't going to like. Yeah. Yes, we are best of friends. Uh, I will say that on the grinding front, I hate grinding. It's one of the things that I think is kind of an outdated idea in RPGs because so much of grinding stems from the fact that back in the day, there was no memory in these RPGs. So how do you artificially elongate them? Well, you have people just fight the same monster over and over and over again. And that's content, baby. But with Bravely Default 2, they definitely have some grinding. But every time I get a new class... It's like opening a present on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, look at these new abilities and how are they going to fit into my existing classes? Like I just got the Berserker class and I'm like, oh wow, I can hit an area of effect attack that takes out an entire enemy party with a physical attack. Oh, it's going to go so well with a Beast Tamer class. And then you just kind of want to fight a whole bunch to get some of those abilities. So it doesn't feel onerous or annoying to actually grind for these abilities it feels like i have something to shoot for and also i've been watching the queen's gambit and this is an amazing game (laughs) to just play while you have the queen's gambit on yeah i have heard that the grinding is nice to do while you're watching something Mm -hmm. else or you're or like you're listening to a podcast or you're watching a show you're listening to acts of the blood god and you're (laughs) (laughs) that was a fantastic little promo sneak that was really good (laughs) yeah no but i I think you're right though like i i have over the past i don't know five years or so gotten way more into I think as more people have kind of gotten into, like, I'm going to chill out and play this game, uh, you know, and listen to a podcast or listen to or watch a TV show. I've kind of done the opposite of like, I've tried to be very, um, I think this, Jordan's about to laugh because he and I made these video games together. But when we were, (laughs) when I was a video game developer, I got really into, I got way more into actually like attentive focusing on what the video games I was playing actually were like, I wanted all the sound. I wanted like the full experience. That was the thing that I wanted to get my full attention after a certain point. And I will say this game is driving me back to kind of go, Oh, I should just turn on fucking Ted Lasso and play this game and not really worry about any of the sound or bullshit because the voice acting is bad. The story is non inconsequential and yeah, the battle system is fun, so I should really just worry about that. Um, that's how I might get back into this game. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna not care about this like massive chunk of the game, which is uh, the story and the sound and all that stuff, which like I hate in a way because that is part of the game experience. But like they've really focused on, I think one thing here, and and that is the battle stuff. So yeah, I might get back into it um, doing that. I definitely see, like, for games that focus heavily on making the gameplay fun, I see the snippets of story, even if they're just snippets every now and then, as sort of, like, my reward for putting in that time investment. And so, I mean, for someone who has as much, as little limited time as I do, like, I'm just juggling 500 things, like, I don't hear something that makes me think, 
oh, it's kind of worth it to sink dozens right. of hours into playing this sure. game. Just not for your taste. Yeah. The boss battles are so fun. There's yeah. such interesting challenges. There are That's cool. like these great little puzzles. And every time you go in, like they will probably immediately kill you. And you'll go, okay, <laughs> how do I solve this? Right. And when you do solve it, it is really satisfying. It is really thoughtful in the way that it engages with its systems. Cool. And honestly, I don't see that enough with RPGs. Like even the RPGs that are have been praised up and down, like Yakuza Like a Dragon. Systems aren't that amazing. So mm-hmm. to like Bravely <laughs> Default 2 has just been a game that I've been really digging. Woman after uh, producer Jordan Mallory's own heart on the Yakuza take there. I love um, Yakuza Like a Dragon. I just want it. That was like one of my top three games of last year. But the systems, not that great. Let's yeah, be right. honest. Yeah. Uh, I need to get back to that. Sega, oh, I've, I've already you gotta restart about too much. <laughs> uh, I know I got to restart it from the beginning because Sega broke my save. I did just get it on PS5. Oh, no. That happened to our reviewer. Yep. It oh, happened to everybody who yeah, owned that game on Steam. Yeah. And, what a uh, they fixed like one person's copy because they had to they had to send the save file over to Sega to manually adjust I, the save and then send it genuinely, back. Genuinely, when the dust settles and every Everyone feels like okay, and we can all laugh about it. I would love to do an oral history of Sega deleting everyone's Steam saves. Like, I want to get like, <laughs> want to talk to Sega people. I want to talk to Steam people about just like how that happened, and because I don't know, it was. I mean, like, if it had happened to me, it would not have been funny. But it has been funny from this this <laughs> point of just watching that happen to people because it's so wild. It's um, it's just buck wild to me. I know this is not the Yakuza cast, but it's just like fine. one of it's one of my you know you know me like Yakuza in terms of like single player game franchise is probably one of my top three all-time favorite franchises and i probably? have not beaten that game probably yeah i, yeah, I, don't know. I, I would I, almost I, say definitively <laughs> <laughs> definitively in the top three where like it, it lands is to that three. series's credit that you every time that you talk about this you're not like oh my god i fucking hate this like you're like i hate this it's, it's not okay. <laughs> this is so bad this. for me oh. <laughs> just gonna have to restart it oh. <laughs> i mean i got it on ps5 didn't i <laughs> you know like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't stop uh i do need to get back to that but uh oh, oh i haven't beaten it yet and it's just uh that it's such a black stain on my brain that i haven't beaten that yet can, um much like I- Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead, no, I ahead. was just going to segue out of something. If you have something real to say. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask, like, I guess for, for Steven and, and, and Kat, I mean, Natalie can answer if she wants, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leave a crack no, but, open for Natalie yeah, to stick I, her head in like a cat trying know. to get into the bathroom. <laughs> I just I think for the two people who are who are pretty engaged with this game, like, what's the future of this studio and these little games? Like it it is kind of strange to see these like smaller studio games come out of square Enix that like have this old school vibe. And I don't, I don't ever really get a sense of how they are, um, uh, how successful they are. And like what, what the trajectory is like, is there just, is there a future for these games or is this one of those things that they're still kind of feeling out? I don't really have a good sense of that. I have a thought. Yeah. First of all, I think this game is very much geared toward a Japanese audience that yeah. has a lot mm. of fondness for this type of game. Um, mm. A lot of nostalgia for super heavy, grindy, Final Fantasy type old school RPGs. Right. So also, I think that this kind of game has found a real audience on a platform like the Nintendo Switch, 
where the graphics aren't as high level as the PS5. It's going to have a more retro-focused audience. It has a much bigger player base. It's being published by Nintendo in North America. So I think that in that regard, a game like Bravely Default 2, even if it doesn't have AAA-level audiences, it can probably be successful just by dint of having a relatively small budget and catering to a dedicated niche who are going to eat this game up. And that niche is named Cat Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if this proves, if this is the the backdoor pavement to to make a little uh, little driveway up for Etrian Odyssey on, six on Switch, like I'll take it. <laughs> if this if this proves that, like, hey, you can do a hardcore grindy job based RPG for a smaller audience on the Nintendo Switch, and it'll do just fine. Like, hey, I'll I'll call Bravely Default to a net positive. Um, hey, your passion for Etrian Odyssey gives me life. I really appreciate it, oh, yes. and I really hope that Etrian Odyssey six does find a way to overcome the fact that the Switch doesn't have two screens. I know it's going to be, they just have to bite that bullet, I feel like, and just like uh, use auto mapping like in uh, Shin Megami Tensei. But in the meantime, Etrian Odyssey 5 was the ultimate Etrian Odyssey game. It it basically had every element from the first four games. It's fantastic. So if that's the note that it goes out on, that's the note it goes out on. You got a space in that game. It's wild. It's so good. (laughs) Um, so that's bravely default too i feel like i think we're i think we're getting ready to wrap up on this one did anybody have any closing arguments uh about this game sure you should buy it i think (laughs) all right all right i mean that's that's made a great case for it like if you are someone who enjoys gameplay over like story in this case i think it seems that it has a lot to offer and that there's been a lot of care put into that aspect that's more than a lot of games can say i think if we've accomplished anything on this episode it has it is giving people who are listening like letting them know what to expect going in so they can make the decision like hey this is you know now if this is for you or not and it's okay it's either way yeah, I was playing it on a stream uh, a little bit ago, twitch.tv slash cat bailey TV. Nice, good. Cat, <laughs> Very I just want to say, we've, we've been doing this for, I don't know, what, 35 episodes or whatever? We've had, I don't know, 15 guests on. You are the best at doing the quick uh, plug, so congratulations. It's very I honestly respect the hell out it's, of it. It's I so good. love it. It's very good. Um, and the people who were watching it were going, wow, this game looks a lot better than I thought uh, based just based on these screenshots. And I'm really digging kind of the vibe and the, and the battle system. Like maybe I'm going to go check this out. Right. When you actually see it in motion, it kind of grabs you in a way that you're not expecting again, very much geared toward old school JRPG fans. And it's not for beginners. That's fine, but it's catering to its niche. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I think that is a great note to close out on yeah. then. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Kat, for being on with us this week. Yes, yes. thank hey, you so much. for having much. me on. Yeah. Especially because everyone else in the room wasn't quite <laughs> as positive and I, it's something yeah. that like we all do at one point, but you know, like it's, it's always nice when everyone in the room agrees with you. So 
for you to just really sell what you think is positive about this game, especially sort of in the face of Steven literally shouting, I hate this game so much. <laughs> um, no, thank but like you. a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts that I've been on recently where I don't like a game very much, I think Kat did an amazing job of um, maybe um, convincing me to to kind of keep with this one and see if I can find my rhythm with it. Honestly. Are you going to keep it. with this one and find your rhythm with it? Uh, maybe. I might. Uh, we'll see if I now that I've got uh, Yakuza uh, Yakuza like a dragon on uh, PS5. We'll see if I jump into that next or not. But you know what? I'm, you know, I, I'm uh, it, the thing John said too about like being able to turn that part of my brain off that is super concerned about the like moment to moment like weird uh, discrepancies. Right. If I could just get past that and maybe put on. I don't watch a lot of TV. Is my, is one of my things. So I don't have like a lot of or I don't watch a lot of TV that I can just feel comfortable having on in the background while I grind through stuff lately. Um, so what I, my grindy stuff lately has been Final Fantasy, which also I love, uh, Natalie, you saying like, I don't like games where I just grind a whole bunch and just like have something on in the background. Uh, anyway, I'm about 7,000 hours into Final Fantasy 14. Because <laughs> oh, I, I also right use now. that as an excuse to socialize. <laughs> Bravely default to you don't use it as like a way of communicating with your friends, but that one, I, I knock a few birds with one stone i can put off the guilt of isolating myself from socializing with others for a while longer when i play I that it's course. been a while though and i see you on every night i'm like oh look it's steven playing final fantasy 14 who has a free trial that goes up to level 60 and you can play <laughs> the first expansion having sword for free <laughs> i have uh honestly deadly we haven't talked about it much between the two of us which is super weird but i have been playing final fantasy every single day for the past like two and a half weeks again. yeah you have i check like i see it every night <laughs> I'm playing what? Final Fantasy XIV as well for the first Ooh. time. Oh, for the first time? Yes, I had how never played it? it before, but my community bullied me into it. Yeah, that's how it works. No, that's they were just, no, they were thinking of you and being kind and seeing like, they, they were saying, Kat, there's this game, Final Fantasy XIV, that has a free trial that goes up to level 60 <laughs> and that you can play the base game and the first expansion for free. They were just being, uh, you know, considerate. Not they're bullying points. you with information. That's it. That's no, just, they were awesome. thinking of her. Where? How far <laughs> are you? I'm like level twenty three, and oh, okay. I, I I encountered the, you know, I, I found the superhero group that live in the desert. Oh, the science. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. you knew what I was talking about. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, no, you're, uh, you're also like getting the best version of that experience too. Cause you're getting the like post patch, uh, that recent <laughs> mm -hmm. round of patches yeah, where they cut out like 20 hours version. It's still yeah. kind of painful though. Like Ash Parrish, friend of the show on Twitter. She's just been losing her mind throughout <laughs> the, the post a realm reborn patches. So I would say you're almost like halfway through the, <laughs> The tedious thing that is A Realm Reborn, but the worst part of it all is the post A Realm Reborn pre Heaven's Ward patches. But as long as you make it through that, you're in for a really good ride. I look forward to spending 100 hours getting to the good stuff. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's Final yep. Fantasy, baby. <laughs> That's that franchise. That's RPGs, uh, baby. That is RPGs. You're absolutely right. And this has been an RPG podcast called 99 Potions. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Jordan, for producing this here episode. Um, <clears throat> now, Kat, I know we have um, a plugged Axe of the Blood God. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, oh yeah, I was gonna say. I, no, no, I thought we were doing the bar thing, but no, you're gonna no, ask no, no, for we, the the plug right. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I know we've uh, plugged Axe and the Blood God a couple of times here, but where can people find you if they just want to like um, uh, uh, experience Cat Bailey's um, unfiltered uh, tweets about RPGs? <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter.com/slash the underscore Catbot, where I will talk a lot about. RPGs and Minnesota Vikings and all <laughs> things, and lots of other things. Yeah, Stephen appreciates that. So, I I um, have not been to a Vikings game in many years, but boy, howdy, you could not escape it uh, in about growing up in this part of the country for sure. Um, what people don't know is that Minnesota actually annexed North Dakota a long time ago, <laughs> made it it's, a vassal state. So. In terms of sports, if you're not into college sports and if you're not a Bison mm-hmm. fan, um, yeah, it's basically the Vikings or nothing. Um, do you have a Carson Wentz jersey in your closet? That's what I want to know. I do not. No, no. My dad. You're not like everybody does. else in Fargo? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm unfortunately not a huge sports person. I went to also ah, went to NDSU, Steven. but uh, so, you know, I, I got a couple of that, but. Fair enough. Well, well, for tight takes like that, those, you can follow me on twitter.com slash the underscore Those Carson Wentz jerseys are going to be really valuable when he's forced in, into retirement in about a year in the NFL. So, anyway. Yep. <laughs> you think so? Anyway. Is that a thing? Anyway, yeah, I don't know that's about fine. No, they're like the Frank four Reich people, is going to fix him. Four people that listen to this podcast just went, yeah, awesome. That's a good time. <laughs> and then like everyone else is just like fucking crickets. Yeah, in the show. Sorry. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if I went to... Carson Wentz went to NDSU, right? Or is it yeah. NDSU guy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop talking about I know Carson the name. On the okay. Show. <laughs> anyway, Jordan really wants me to end this show. Uh, Natalie, where can people find you for all of your hot sports takes? <laughs> yeah, you could find me and my <laughs> multicellular brain takes on sports. Everything sports at Hardimisia. That's hard. I am ECIA. I love sports. I talk about them all the time. <laughs> Oh, great. Uh, and where can people go if they want to know um, what famous football players play for their hometown? <laughs> uh, um, you John? Can, you can find me saying that we should just pay Dak Prescott his fucking money at Floppy Adult on Twitter. Uh, you can also, if you do like sports, I have a basketball podcast on this <laughs> called Corner 3. It airs every Friday. I do it with Khalif Adams and uh, Nikki Grayson. Uh, so, yeah, you can listen to that. That's a really fun show, for sure. Thanks. Um, Jordan uh, can also be found at Jordan underscore Mallory on uh, Twitter. Um, and you can listen to all the rest of the shows that he produces along with our other producer, Paul uh, Tamayo, who also produced a couple of episodes of this show uh, by going to fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Uh, we've got a lot of great different uh, shows up there. They just put up a new episode of uh, Friends Reunion, uh, one of John's other shows. Uh, that is one of the most buck wild things it's, it's, anyone it's, has it's, ever heard. It's like the funniest thing I've ever been involved with so you should go listen to that show it's very good uh also steven where can people find you oh right me uh yeah you can find all of my hot takes about carson wentz who i definitely definitely (laughs) knew went to the same school that i attended for five years uh (laughs) on twitter.com slash steven strub s-t-e-v-e-n-s-t-r-o-m uh now cat um Cat, <laughs> I'm so sorry. About what's about I just happen. want to apologize for for this uh, this outro thing that we never warn anybody about, we not because of maliciousness, but because we always forget about this part. I'm too. sorry, I couldn't save you from this one. 
<laughs> um, but we love to end every episode of 99 Potions by uh, sidling up on over to the bar, grabbing our asterisk, uh, switching over to the bartender class, and taking a big ol'. <laughs> <laughs> I recovered 1,000 HP. Amazing. (laughs) Is this podcast called 98 Potions now? Or are you just going to keep hoarding them until the, the final boss and then just never use them?